Hi, I'm Holly. And I'm Haley. Welcome to Mountain Mysteries, Tales from Appalachia. Everybody. Welcome back. Welcome back. Hope you've had a good week. It's been an okay week. Yeah? Yeah. Good. Yeah. <laughs> just kind of like, just, you know, the craziness of work and life and... I hear that. The balance that you try to strike. <laughs> yes. I completely understand. Yeah. So you know what my favorite time of the week is? When? Friday evening. Why? Because I don't feel um, that it's, like, I feel like I have more time on the weekend. Like, I don't know. I feel like I can stay up late, like I'm a naughty little kid or something. I don't know. <laughs> Even though I'm usually exhausted by Friday night. Yeah. And I want to go to bed, I still feel like, Dag Nevit, I'm going to stay up. Right. So. I know. I, um, the sirens. So where we're recording is right across from the fire department. Hmm. So we're going to... We're going to let that ride I, out I feel quick. like this resonates with our podcast. It does. Like it makes there are sense. emergency sirens currently. Mm-hmm. And it's not of our doing. It's not of our doing. They'll move on in a moment. Yeah. Just enjoy Or this. they'll get closer. They should be, because they're literally like right there. They should be pulling out. There we go. Oh, there they went. Wow, that was, maybe they're just testing it. Just testing the yeah. sirens today. Making sure it works. Love that. All right, Haley, are you ready to hear this magical tale? I am. All right. I'm so ready, because I have no idea what this is about. Yeah, um, this, I got to tell you, this story went in um, very weird directions, and I'm all about letting the stories find me. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I just feel like it's kind of organic. Like yeah. you can kind of do a general search and then suddenly things come up and you kind of go down that rabbit hole. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. So this is really fascinating. So there's a lady named Kathy Gilchrist. Um, she grew up in the Northeast, had a wonderful childhood. She had been adopted um, as a baby. She had wonderful parents, loved them. Um, she knew she was adopted and really had no desire to seek out her bio family. Um, but she went on, got married, was uh, had children. She was a teacher. But, you know, she always thought, well, you know, maybe I'll do that DNA test that everybody's doing nowadays. You know how everybody is, the yeah. ancestry. And yeah. So she does 23andMe. Okay. And after doing the test, very quickly, um, she gets results that she has three distant relatives that pop up, oh. one of whom is her third cousin, um, by the name of Susan Gilmore. So Susan um, and her start chatting with each other, and Susan happens to say, you know, I really like genealogy, and I really like, you know, researching family trees, so would you like me to help you build your family tree, like, you know, using this DNA to kind of find out where you come from? And Kathy's like, yeah, sure, why not? So very quickly, Susan is able to find Biomom, Yeah. So she's able to reconnect with her biological mother who gave her up as a baby. She's able to connect with uh, her biological half-siblings through her mother. Yeah. So it's really nice. Um, But the missing piece of the puzzle was her father. She wanted to find uh, her birth dad. It took two years and even an incorrect match, but finally, Kathy was able to narrow it down. 
Okay. Um, so her cousin calls her one day and says, yeah, you know, I, I think we, we found your dad, um, but there's something about him. And Kathy goes, is he famous? Yeah, because that's not where my mind went. Me neither, but we do this podcast, right. so, you know. <laughs> uh, is he famous? And she goes, um, kind sort of. Here's his name. Why don't you Google him? So Kathy says, okay, thinking, oh my gosh, my dad could be a rock star. That's insane. What would you think? I mean, well, I know what you would think. <sighs> I mean, my immediately thought would be like serial killer, but I, you know, I think you want to think that they're, you know, I don't know though, because I mean, you'd want to think like, oh, they're successful and all this stuff, but then it's like, well, then why did they give me up like why did they leave me why am I not you know I feel like that just opened Mm -hmm. you up to a lot of heartbreak (laughs) unless they just didn't know about you true you could be the like the long lost child that they never knew about exactly so many possibilities yeah I have a feeling this one's pretty dark and twisted though it is um but I mean it does make you for a minute fantasize a little bit right of like oh my gosh what if he's like rich and famous what if he like you know that would be kind of cool be cool so she googles him up comes um, an FBI poster, uh, oh wanted, a man wanted for murdering his mother, his wife, and his three children. Holy cow. That's a lot. Yeah, his name was William Bradford Bishop Jr. And she is stunned oh, to read yeah. this. Uh, <laughs> a little taken aback. Oh my God, my birth father is a murderer. And he murdered his own family, not even like random stranger. No, he and murdered that's his intense. family. Like you have like the family annihilator types. That is, it's pretty rough, right? That's intense. Yeah. So let's talk about this man, shall yeah, we? Let's okay. do that. As I mentioned, his name was William Bradford Bishop Jr. He was born on August 1st, 1936 in Pasadena, California to his parents, Lobelia and William Bradford Sr. Lobelia. Lobelia. What a yes, name. Yes, I know. And I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Like it may it. be Lobelia. I'm not sure. But early on, it was clear that Brad, as they called him, uh, was very intelligent, excelled in school, graduated in 1954 from Pasadena High School, and attended Yale University. Damn. Yeah. So very bright guy. Majored in history. Um, and it was also reported that he uh, majored in American studies as well. Okay. Went on to Middlebury College where he received two master's degrees, one in international studies and the other um, in Italian. What does one do with a master's in Italian? Probably speak Italian. I would assume yeah. so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. But that's just me, yeah. you know. <laughs> that's just conjecture uh anyway uh so he also uh got a master's in african studies from ucla so, so many degrees this is a man with a lot of degrees vast intelligence so yeah. when, you know though when i think that kind of level of intelligence i don't think really socially no like i don't no. think it's like Hey, sweet thing. No, you're you know, not getting the social cues. He's probably just not getting as late as much, but <laughs> <laughs> too much time for or school. Too much. Exactly. How could you? You've been. Yeah. You're busy. busy. So while in high school, uh, Brad meets Annette. Annette um, 
was a couple of years younger than him, uh, but they started dating and they got married right after he graduated from Yale Mm -hmm. in 1959. Um, Together, they had three sons. And during this time, he joined the U.S. Army and spent about four years working in counterintelligence. Dang. Yeah. Uh, He spoke five languages, including English, Italian, obviously, French, Spanish, and Serbo-Croatian. Interesting. Yeah. That wouldn't... That's um, interesting. Yeah, not one I would have picked up on. No, me neither. So upon leaving the military, he joined the U.S. State Department and served in foreign service in various overseas postings, which he loved. He was kind of a nomad at heart. Mm -hmm. Um, So he was in Milan, Italy, and spent some time in Florence, where he actually studied at the University of Florence from 1968 to 1972. Can't get enough of that school. Exactly. From that point, um, he left and went to Africa, where he spent time in Ethiopia and Botswana for about two years, from 72 to 74. 1974, he came back to the U.S. His wife really wanted some of the stability of living back in the U.S. She wanted to go back to school. She felt like the kids... um, needed that because mm-hmm. they were they were traveling everywhere and really for the kids whole lives that's all they did was travel and she felt like her kids who by this point um the oldest was an early teen mm-hmm. she felt like they needed that kind of stability so he came back home was working a desk job um in washington dc as assistant chief um, in the division of special activities and commercial treaties what a that does not sound like a fun job to me i mean when you hear special activities i mean that almost it it leads you to feel you know like mm, recreational but we know that actually means special activities uh, and we're talking treaties so we're talking diplomat so we're talking a lot of overseas relations yeah yeah, I like more like water balloon fight special activity. Ooh, I love a good water balloon fight. Right? Rather than like, let's make sure that whoever's trade deal doesn't interrupt this other person's. Yeah, that's not as fun. And not opposed to, haha, gotcha, sucker, and then running off. Right. So, do you know, quick segue, but do you know that uh, when I was six years old, I had a friend. Um, who asked me if I wanted to have a water balloon fight. And I was like, hell yeah. I didn't say that. I was six, but I said, yeah. And she was like, great. My parents are hiding water balloons. It'll be for my birthday. She had a February birthday. Um, But yeah, (laughs) there was my first clue in their bathroom. So let's let's go ahead and fill them and and play. And I was like, great. They were multicolored, kind of slippery on the outside. We thought that was weird, but nonetheless. Oh, I know where this is going. I'm so scared. We took them outside and we were throwing them at each other and they wouldn't break. They just kind of, and they were oddly shaped um, and just kind of went <laughs> down the front of us and we could not figure out why they sucker. So we kept throwing them harder at each other. And finally her mother comes home from the grocery store and says, what are you doing? And we were like, we found the water balloons. And she goes, she tells her daughter, my friend, you're an only child and that's the way I like it. Don't you ever get into my bathroom again. Oh I didn't know what God. that meant. You know, I was six. I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know what these things were until I was a little bit older and realized that we were, in fact, throwing condoms at each other that we had filled with water. I mean, good brand. They didn't break. I I know. So So that's why she was an only (laughs) child. Those things worked. But that was my side note. So every time I think water balloons, I think condoms. 
Interesting. I know. Yeah. Weird sort of like word association. If I was normal, I would not be co-hosting this podcast. Let's be honest. All right. So back to our story. (laughs) Um, Yes. Working with special activities and commercial treaties, he was not throwing water balloons, but he was doing pretty significant, important things, particularly working diplomatically for other countries. Um, The family had a very large home in Bethesda, Maryland, in a very nice area. Um, They were settling back into life in the U.S. Um, So Brad's widowed mother, Lobella, or Lobelia, I'm so sorry, but I don't know which pronounce uh, how to pronounce it. Uh, she was living with the family now. Okay. So you've got mom, dad, grandma, and the three boys. So by March of 1976, uh, Brad was really hoping to receive a promotion at his job. He mm-hmm. almost, I mean, he pretty much thought this is a done deal. Um, he thought, got this in the bag. He was working in Froggy Bottom which is the oldest neighborhood. Yep. It is. Oldest neighborhood in D.C. It's west of the White House. It's actually right downtown. Is it froggy or foggy? Maybe it's, it's foggy. It's foggy. Is it? I lived in D.C. for a hot second. Okay, foggy but bottom. I think it's I'm foggy. so sorry. I, but I like froggy. I was really <laughs> hoping it was, but I'm like, I think it's foggy. Uh, okay, sorry. I apologize. It's foggy bottom. Foggy bottom. I, I was tired this morning Froggy's when I was researching. more fun. Yeah, Froggy would be ribbit, but it is Foggy Bottom, which still is a funny name. It is hilarious. Um, so he was working there. March 1st, 1976, he learns, guess what? You didn't get that promotion. Mm-hmm. We passed you over for someone else. Um, hate it when that happens. Yeah. Feeling super pissed off. Um, he told his secretary, you know, I'm just not feeling well. And left the office and decided he was just, you know, she assumed he was going to go home. And she said, you know, he didn't look very good, so... Instead of going home, he went to the bank where he withdrew several hundred dollars. Then he went to the Montgomery Mall and bought a sledgehammer and gas can. Oh. That's, you know, I mean. What does one need with that in a large home in Bethesda, Maryland? You know, that is so strange. And one would think if you were going to go spending, you know, you would buy things like, I mean, I would buy things like shoes. Mm Mm-hmm like outrageous cars or, uh, you know, purchases like a purse or, you know, get myself that coach bag. I don't know. Louis Vuitton. Well, he probably wouldn't want a Louis Vuitton, but nonetheless, so he buys this sledgehammer and gas can. Then he goes to the local gas station. He fills up the can with gasoline along with the tank of his car, which by the way is a 1974 Chevy station wagon. Has a pretty new car. Um, also takes that shiny new car and goes to Polk's hardware store. Okay. Um, where he buys a shovel and a pitchfork. Interesting. So let's think about the things he's bought. He's got a sledgehammer. Mm-hmm. He's got gas can filled with gas. Mm-hmm. He's got money that he just withdrew. Mm-hmm. Uh, a shovel and a pitchfork. Yep. What is, you know, what does that feel like? Um, you know, in, in this area and like where I grew up, it would mean like, man, you're about to go do some farm labor, mm-hmm. get some fences in the ground, yeah. bust up some concrete with that sledgehammer, mm-hmm. you know, fork some hay with that pitchfork. That sounds about right. But I don't think they were doing that in Bethesda, Maryland, in their very large no, home. Very large, fancy home, nice community. 
He probably wasn't doing yard work. I don't think so. No. He probably wasn't busting up any concrete. No. 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 So that does seem odd. And and a man who, who works uh, at the State Department there in D.C. and comes in probably in a tie, like fancy. Yeah. It's probably a little odd. Well, he gets all these things, and then he returns home between 7.30 and 8 p.m. in the evening. It is believed that his wife, Annette, was the first that he took out. Oh, God. Uh, he beats oh, her man. to death with, I'm not sure, pitchfork, shovel, I would assume maybe the shovel, basically beats her to death. What a sledgehammer. Could have been the sledgehammer, oh, yeah. God. Yeah, so takes out his wife first. Um, then his mother, who had been out walking the family dog, comes back in. Now, could you imagine, la, 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 you come in with the dog, and there's your son with a bloody sledgehammer and standing over his wife. Oh, God. Um, so mom's got to go, too. Nah. So he beat mom to death. No. So now he's got two victims, and the three boys, um, who were ages 14, 10, and 5, were all upstairs sleeping. So goes upstairs, and while they slept, he beat them to death as well. Oh. Yeah. Uh, he took all five of their bodies, and he placed it in the station wagon, which I'm assuming he laid the seats down and, you know. Yeah. Um, along with his tools. So is this like in the middle of the day, or? At nighttime. At night, or at yes. night, okay. So this is March 1st at night. He had found out earlier that day that he had gone, right, 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 and right. all these things happened subsequently. Um, so once they're in the car, uh, he begins driving south. Mm. Travels all night, driving 275 miles until he reaches a wooded swamp five miles south of Columbia, North Carolina. Oh, this God. is near Jacksonville, which is near, um, isn't Jacksonville where they have the army base? Isn't that near one of the military bases? I just think Florida whenever I hear Jacksonville. Mm, no, it's it's actually closer to the coast of North Carolina. Okay. Um, anyway, that's where you get that kind of swamp marsh. Uh, he digs a shallow hole, piles the bodies on top of each other, Ooh. sprinkles them with gasoline, and ah. lights a match, setting his family on fire. What? He leaves the gas can, shovel, and pitchfork uh, in the same hole, while the family is burning, and drives to a sporting goods store in Jacksonville. Uh, mm-hmm. He buys himself a pair of tennis shoes. Okay. I'm thinking maybe his shoes were bloody or destroyed or, you know, so he was like, yeah. Get some new shoes. Time to get some new shoes. Okay. Witnesses at the store noticed that his dog was with him. So... Okay, so he took the dog. Took the, and kept the dog alive. I'm here for that. Yeah. All right. Um, I... Prefer the family alive. I mean, everybody alive. Like, everything alive would be great. Yes. Yeah. Uh, But he did keep the dog alive. Um, And along with him was a woman who was reported as having darker skin. Okay. So where this woman comes from, I don't know. Was she with him the entire time? Did he just pick her up? Did he pick her up? This was really unclear to me. Very strange. Or was she just, like, happened to be shopping in the same area and people thought they were together? It could have been. It could have been. Uh, So back in Maryland, friends and neighbors are concerned because as time goes on, they haven't heard from the family, and that was really unusual. I mean, obviously, in this area, they were very, um, you know, 
community oriented, mm-hmm. you know, people saw everybody. them. Yeah, everybody knew everybody. They yeah. were all connected. So they call the police um, by March 10th. And a detective uh, who goes to the house actually finds blood on the front porch. Mm-hmm. He fly once going into the house, he finds blood on the floor and the walls of the front hall. Ooh. And then in the bedrooms. Ah. Uh, so police start searching for bodies. Yeah. In North Carolina, the bodies of four, excuse me, five people were discovered, and they were matched up through dental records, which confirmed they were Annette, age 37, Mom, Lubella, age 68, oldest son, Bradford III, who was 14, middle son, Brenton, who was 10, and youngest son, Jeffrey, who was 5. Oh, babies. Yes. Uh, they were buried at Triangle Presbyterian Church in Durham, North Carolina. Interesting that they buried them there. Yeah, I thought that too. So I don't know what the family's connection is to North Carolina. I don't know mm-hmm. if maybe someone was originally there. Yeah. Um, because one would think you would bury them in Maryland. Yeah, unless they had family. Because Durham's not that close to the coast. No. Durham's halfway through the state. Yeah. That's why it's, um, well, Raleigh's the capital. Yeah. But, you know, close yeah. enough. So, yeah, I thought that was strange. Yeah. Anyway. Um, So on March 18th, the station wagon was found abandoned at an isolated campground in Elkmont, Tennessee. And here we go, because we always talk about it in this podcast, in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park, just miles from the Appalachian Trail. Of course it was. Of course. Um, But this was also hours away from where the bodies were dumped. Interesting. So he got in the car and just headed west. Okay. Inside the car, they found dog biscuits obviously okay shotgun Ah. an axe okay a bloody blanket and a shaving kit with brad's medication okay yeah uh they also found an area where the spare tire was it was actually covered in blood all right there's a lot going on in this vehicle a lot of things happening exactly make a lot of sense exactly And a witness uh, who was in that area in Tennessee had actually reported seeing that car uh, between March 5th and 7th. So that car had been sitting there for at least 10 days, if not more. Um, So he had a leg up on the police. He was, you know, ahead. So police were trying to figure out where he was. Yeah. Um, And they were thinking that possibly he joined the flow of hikers along the Appalachian Trail, which would have been very easy to do. Mm -hmm. You just kind of blend in. Um, Bloodhounds actually were along the trail, but nothing was found. Um, And it was reported that he actually was quite the outdoorsman. He liked to camp. He liked to hike. So it wasn't like, you know, this is a guy with no skills. Right. And in fact, he has a lot of skills. I mean, he can speak five languages. Mm-hmm. Um, he likes to camp. He likes to be outdoors. So really, it feels like there are a lot of possibilities yeah. here. And yeah. he worked as a high official, so he's got connections mm-hmm. if he really wanted to disappear. On March 19th, a grand jury indicted him on five counts of first-degree murder and other charges, and he became an FBI wanted fugitive. Um, looking into his history, there was really no evidence of job issues. He was pretty, he was a pretty good worker. Um, there also wasn't any evidence of him cheating. However, yeah, 
if you listen to the beginning of the story, he has a daughter who was conceived while he was in college. Now, right. he married um, Annette, and they were high school sweethearts, which I assume they were still together at that point. He yeah. married her right after college, so either they had broken up or they were still together, but he conceived a child with another woman. Yeah. I wonder if he even knew about her. He, As far as I know, no, he did mm. not know. Interesting. Um, so he really wanted, like I said, to travel abroad. Um, and his wife was at the university of Maryland. Um, and that caused a little bit of tension in their marriage. So, I mean, it wasn't like, we're going to get divorced, but it did cause some conflict. Mm -hmm. He really wanted her to be the stay at home mom and she wanted to have her own career, which makes sense. I mean, he's gotten to travel all over, you know, um, it was reported that they had some money issues. Again, they lived in a very fancy neighborhood and, the IRS had reportedly been auditing their taxes. Mm. So maybe there was some um, maybe some unethical stuff going on. I'm not really sure. Right. But I think when you live in a neighborhood like that, you got to keep up with the Joneses. Yeah, appearances are everything. Yeah, I mean, look at me. Area. I mean, just whew, appearances really are everything. <laughs> like glue on nails. Oh, my! I ripped mine off the other yeah. day. These are um, those like little color street nails. <gasps> nice. So I thought, well, maybe these will be better. Anyway, we'll see. I'll keep you posted. Nice. I know you're... We're glued to the edge of our I, I <laughs> Hey, glued. Yeah. Kind of. Um, okay. So like I said, uh, it was reported that possibly they had some financial issues, but nothing really was proven. Uh, as I mentioned, Brad was an avid outdoorsman who liked camping and hiking. He also had a pilot's license that he had got back in Africa. Um, he worked out regularly and rode motorcycles. This is not your average geek. This is, he is like got two different lives here almost. Yeah, he is like... A Jekyll and Hyde. I mean, he's got that one side of him, that very intellectual side, Mm -hmm. like academically gifted. One would think almost a Sheldon Cooper of sorts, somebody, you know, who lacks social skills because you're that brilliant. However, I mean, obviously he's got the language skills so he can, he can talk to people like he's savvy in that way. Um, and he has an illegitimate child whom he can see. I mean, obviously he's getting the ladies. So this isn't your typical you know geek riding a cycle and you know working out it's crazy yeah he had a history of depression and insomnia um which he was taking oral medication for called Cirax. i haven't actually heard of that um in the weeks leading up to the murder it had increased he had always had this underlying Mm -hmm. but he was not able to sleep and i don't know if this was because of what he was planning or because he was worried about this promotion Mm -hmm. not really sure he loved dogs. Um, he loved scotch whiskey. He loved peanuts and spicy food. Yeah. Interesting. He had a six-inch scar on his lower back from surgery, a cleft chin, and a mole on his left cheek. So you know, keep that in mind if you see him. Oh, so he hasn't been caught. Nope. <gasps> Not at all. Wow. He is believed to have been carrying his Yale class ring with him. And his father, who by that point had passed away, Smith & Wesson, 38 Special Revolver. revolver. So, I mean, he's he, not only is he a proud Yale grad, woohoo, class of 59, uh, but he also has a gun. Yikes. Yeah. 
Uh, he also took his diplomatic passport with him. Oh, shoot. Yeah. So they knew this because when they were combing through the house, authorities found everybody else's uh, but his. So he had a 10-day head start. Mm-hmm. He's out of the country. For sure. There's no way he's still here. And they believe that he used that passport uh, to go overseas. And in fact, in the 1960s, it had been reported that he had intelligence training that would have helped him evade yeah. capture. Where's his dog, though? I don't know. See, that's Did the thing take is... Did he him? Did he, like, drop it at a shelter? Or maybe just, you know, like... Uh, maybe the dog was for the hike. Maybe. And then after that, he was like, Bye. Or is he, like, living in the woods somewhere? I don't know. Wild. But, I mean, if you kept your passport, yeah, you'd want to get country. out of Dodge. Yeah, he's yeah, out of here. Something. He's in, like, France or something. Exactly. And maybe there were people helping him. Maybe. So, sightings. Okay? So, mm-hmm. by this point, you know, this happened in 74. Mm-hmm. He just sort of disappeared, and he's wanted. So, people are on the hot trail for him. July 1978, a Swedish woman who had actually worked with Brad uh, before saw him twice at a public park in Stockholm. Okay. Yeah, it was during the span of a week, and she was absolutely certain it was him. She worked with him day to day. She knew that it was him. She didn't call the police because she didn't know that he was wanted. Right. She didn't know he committed crimes. And... Um, she just thought he was there in, you know, Stockholm. Maybe he's working in Sweden. Right, like it wasn't going to be weird for her to see him. Exactly. Exactly. Weird. So in January of 1979, he was seen in Sorrento, Italy, at a US, uh, by a U.S. Department colleague. So again, another co-worker, um, who actually this time walked up to him and greeted him and said, Hey, you're Brad Bishop, aren't you? What? Yeah. He responds in a distinctly American accent and says, oh, no, and fled. Now, I don't know if it was, oh, no, or, oh, no, like, not me. But, like, why flee? I don't know. That's weird. Isn't that crazy? And, I mean, it would make sense he's in Italy. He speaks fluent Italian. Right. So, no one sees him from then on, from 1979. Until... September 1994, this is 20 years after the murders, Mm -hmm. a neighbor of the bishops who lived in that same community in Maryland was vacationing in Switzerland, and she saw Brad um, in a, like, train station. It was several feet away, but she knew it was him. What are the odds, though? Right? I I know. Then you start to think, hmm. That like, feels, and it, uh, we're also talking about years, 20 years. He looks a lot different 20 you years You would have later. to, especially if you're always fearful that they're going to come find you. Yeah. With the stress alone would make you age. Yeah. yeah. But maybe. He, yeah. She reported that it was him. She said that he was well-groomed and he got into a car, but she knew it was him. By two thor- 2010, authorities believe that he was living um, in and around Switzerland, Germany, or somewhere in Europe. There was also um, a thought that maybe he was living in California. Maybe he came back because that's where he was born and raised. Um, They thought maybe he worked as a teacher uh, or he was involved in some kind of criminal activity, which maybe he was working as a teacher by day, criminal activity by night. We Mm -hmm. don't know. Maybe. Yeah. 
I mean, teaching doesn't pay much. I can doesn't. attest. It does not. So, you know, I wasn't involved in the criminal activity, but... But I get it. Yeah. A side gig, maybe selling Tupperware. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, so, in 76, actually, before... Excuse me. Yes, yeah, 76. Before the murders happened, I was saying it was 74, um, he had been writing and corresponding with an inmate at a local penitentiary named Albert Kenneth Bankenston. Okay. Yeah. Nobody knows why. Just a pen pal. Just, I, Just a prison I pen pal. I don't get that. Can I, would you approve if I got a prison pen pal? I have so many thoughts. <laughs> I mean, if it's a woman, like, maybe she'd been in, like, a domestic situation, she'd been battered, and she finally wasn't going to take it anymore. I, there is a little bit more where I'm like, she needs a friend. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, those drug charges or whatever, sure. Um, but, I mean, if you were going to befriend Scott Peterson or, mm-hmm. you know, some of these other hype, like the Menendez brothers, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. But I just want, like, want to know what's going on in their mind. Do you really feel like putting your address on a return envelope? No, I get a P.O. box. Right. Like three counties over. (laughs) And just like once every month, I'd just drive out there and get the mail. I feel like it would be interesting then if they're released and they're like, I've got to go meet my pen pal in person and they just show up at your door. I mean, they show up at my P.O. box. Haley. Oh, yeah, that's true. But you never know. Like they could use their smarts to like say oh hi i'm Haley. um i lost something for my p.o box i i don't know i feel like mm. i i support supporting other people i just want you to be careful <laughs> understood i got it okay well we'll, we'll talk you're gonna later. do this i feel it it's gonna happen <sighs> maybe okay anyway so he is talking uh to this guy in the penitentiary he told Albert uh, to, right before the murders, to go ahead and start addressing all the letters to the State Department office. Okay. Uh, you know, and obviously he did not tell Albert, because I'm going to murder my entire family and you won't be able to find me at this address. All right. Um, so Albert is like, okay, and several letters do go there. Um, but Albert obviously never got a reply back. Uh, um, yeah. Albert ended up dying in 1983, and this is before the connection was made with the letters. Mm. So they never got to talk to Albert to find out, like, what you guys, like, like what was the was point? He writing, yeah. Why did he reach out? Yeah, that is so strange. That's the oddest thing I've ever heard. It, and I'm thinking maybe he did it to, like, learn some, the mindset of a criminal. Yeah, but, like, what was Alfred in for? I don't know. I'll have to look that up. He had to have been in for, like, mass murder or something. If he was See, I don't think way. so. Probably, um, like, traffic violation. <laughs> tax evasion. It could have been. could have been, like, tax evasion. Counterfeiting. Yeah, that seems right. Yeah. So, in 1981, uh, there was a person who had died in a car accident in Alabama that actually matched his description. Oh, okay. Um, and for years, people thought, I bet this is him. Yeah. Why is he in Alabama? It, why is he in Alabama? But why is anybody anywhere? You know? Yeah. yeah. Why exactly. is he not in Alabama? Why is it, that's the real question. <laughs> why is he not? Right. Yeah. So uh, they did some DNA testing in 2014, and it was not a match. So. I mean, yeah, I've been surprised if it was. Me too. Like, of all that, you go out in a car accident, 
No. In Alabama. In Alabama. I feel like he's got to go out in a blaze of glory in Texas or something. He'll go, go out. He'll get like a kidney cancer or something and die. <sighs> and quickly, I'll... too. Yeah, like quickly with loaded up on drugs. It yeah, won't be too peaceful. bad. Peaceful. Yeah. Yeah, that's not cool. Uh, in 2011, the FBI used fingerprints to determine uh, that he had not died in Hong Kong in France, as many people had suggested. That I guess there had been folks who had shown up dead, and they were like, oh, this matches his description. Um, but they were like, nope, not him. In 2014, authorities believed uh, that he was living in plain sight. They were like, he's got to be in plain sight, and they also believed that he was in the U.S. Now, I don't know what information they have regarding this. Maybe sightings. I don't know. Maybe. So they commissioned a sculptress named Karen Taylor uh, to create what he may look like now. So she actually created, at this point he was 77, a 77-year-old version of him. And I'll have to, that, that'll probably be my picture for the post. The sculpture? Yeah, yeah. Um, they all believe that he's still out there somewhere. And Kathy, back to the beginning of our story, who is his biological daughter, Mm -hmm. um, has gone to this area in North Carolina where the bodies were dumped. And she really has a lot of sympathy for the family. And she wants answers to this story as well. And I mean, you got to think, how would you even process that if you're learning, ah, my dad murdered his whole family? Like, oof. Well, it's like you'd never want anything to do with your biological family. And then on a whim, you just are like, yeah, let's do this DNA thing. And then you find this random cousin that somehow leads you to, oh, my, I have all these, you know, half siblings. How cool. Oh, just kidding. They were all lit on fire. Hmm. She had said before she researched it that in the back of her head, she thought, hmm, I may not find something I want to see. Yeah. And I mean, sometimes you have that intuition and it's true. And I think it it very much was. Um, Gosh. And then to be the only one who survives. Not survives because you made it out of the murder scenario, but survive because he didn't even know you were there. And had he known you, would he attempt to kill you? So this has to beg the question. Do you think this all started from just him not getting the promotion? Like that was the catalyst that sent him over the edge? But this feels planned. I, okay, so I have done a lot of, as I think family annihilators are fascinating. So I, that's like my, it's my thing. I'm glad Um, we're not related. (laughs) No, I just think, because the mentality behind it is crazy. Because for, there's like two different types. There's the type that are taking them out because they want to save them. Hmm. Because usually it's like, the devil wants you or or you know they've lost their job and they don't have money so instead of you know embarrassing their family you know they're going and they're in shambles or whatever they just decide it's it's more humane to take out the family or to save the family from embarrassment yes that's their kind of mentality and i think they they usually kill themselves as well Mm -hmm. in that situation the other one is because they are clearing house to start this whole new life for themselves. That's what this one feels like. Mm-hmm. And they're likely never to kill anybody else ever again. It's a one-off thing. They do this and it doesn't happen again. They're ne- they usually don't have a record. They're not, you know, violent people by nature normally. Yeah. It's just it's fascinating to me 
So this one really feels like that second category of he was just cleaning house. Now, whatever psychosis got him there, I don't know. But he something snapped in him and he was like, I got to get rid of him. Well, and, and he, leading up to it, he had been depressed. Yeah. Um, there had been, you know, they were looking at his finances. My question was, was he wondering what are they going to find? Uh-oh. Um, so maybe there was part of, I've got to save them from this embarrassment. Yeah. Um, but I feel trapped in a way. I've got to get out of this. They know too much. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's could be a plethora of things. Yeah. It really could be. Um, but yeah, maybe at that point he just snapped, like didn't get the promotion and he's just like, screw it. But there's also, there's, you were telling the story and I was thinking, I just listened to this other podcast, um, that covered the list family murders that were, um, I think kind of in the same area as well. And it was the father had, you know, lost his job and, um, murdered the whole family. And then he took off and lived in the Virgin Islands or something. Like he was gone out of the country as well. And like live this whole life, or no, it went to Colorado, of all places. To apparently that's where you go when you murder your whole family, because there's been several. Well, he had to take it easy and take a couple puffs. Yeah. All right, you go to Colorado. Yeah. So, it just like like I've heard this story before. You know, mm-hmm. like this is crazy that it happened. But sh- yeah, but it happens. What's the most interesting is, you know, how he had access to some of these resources. Like, I mean, he was smart. He had money. Mm -hmm. He had the ability to get around in different languages. I mean, he could create a whole new life of, I'm from Italy. Yeah, easily. You know, I mean, he was fluent in all these languages. Could just blend in. He could. That's crazy. Yeah. So he's out there somewhere, and maybe he's listening. Oh, gosh. Oh, goodness. He would be, so he would be 85 years old. Oh, almost 85. I'm not worried about him then. No, no, no. I'm sorry. Yeah, almost 85 this year. So Come at me. It, yes, Haley says, bring it on. Maybe maybe <laughs> if you get caught, she can be your pen pal. <gasps> I would love to be your pen pal. Oh, that would be great. I'll, I'll return the favor. You know, she did work in hospice. So I she did. Could, I got she you. She could, you know, help you to the end there. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I think at this point he's dead. I don't know. Assholes like this usually live like that long lives. That is true. That is true. Maybe you can haunt him in the afterlife. <gighs> yes. Yeah. That's part of your goal. Yeah. That will be nice. <sighs> anyway, that's the story. That was a freaky one. That's that just kind of led me in a weird place. Yeah. yeah it like kind of matches stupid. everything I love. Genealogy with murder. What an interesting tale. Uh, yeah. Hmm. Anyway, uh, Haley, if they want to uh, tell us their feedback on this story or give us some more, uh, how do they do that? You can send us an email at mountainmysteries.appalachian at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook at Mountain Mysteries Tales from Appalachia or find us on Facebook at mountainmysteries.appalachia. Holly. Haley. I am so tired. I noticed um, you were kind of losing it. I am. Well, and I realized I took an allergy pill before you came Why? to my house earlier because I, mean, I, I know, but. was dying. And I didn't think it was a drowsy one, but apparently it must be because I'm dying currently. 
That's not cool. But do you have a location for I us? do. I don't want you to die. That's terrible. I'm just like falling asleep over here. And it's crazy because this case was fascinating. I know. And I was like, am I just boring? Wake no, the I'm up. just like, <laughs> it wasn't a Benadryl. It was a... Um, Loratadine. Loratadine, which is like Claritin. Yeah, but that usually doesn't make you super sleepy. It, you shouldn't, but it does to me. Well, lots of things make me super sleepy. Maybe I should drive your car home. That's scary. (laughs) All right. Uh, So I want to give a quick shout out to White Bear Lake, Minnesota. Fun name. Oh, that sounds lovely, too. It sounds beautiful. Oh, you know, that is the land of 10,000 lakes, Minnesota. Interesting. My aunt and uncle used to live in Minnesota. We used to visit there uh, in the summers. Never been. Yeah, it's a great place. Interesting. Anyway, all right, you guys. Well, we're going to check out, um, but we will see you next week for another episode. Hope you have a great week. Have a great week. Bye. Bye.